Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to episode 28, guys. We've made it. Uh, We had such a high point last week with the marvellous face-off. And this week we will be looking at 1998's City of Angels. No place to party. Um, (laughs) I know nothing about this film. Let's get those rules out of the way. So to watch these films, two rules. No distractions, no expectations. They're pretty simple and they go a little like this. No distractions, phones, laptops, whatever, being ignored. The outside world does not exist as far as I'm concerned when I am watching a Nicolas Cage film. Um, and no expectations. So I know nothing about this film apart from the fact that uh, Nicolas Cage is in it, Meg Ryan is in it, and the cover looks pretty shit. Uh, but apart from that, I know nothing about it. I know nothing about uh, IMDb scores or how it how I don't I don't, I don't even know opinions from other people. Um, all I do know about this film is uh, it's not so much about what happens in the film or anything like that. Um, someone I put it out to Twitter. If anyone had any questions or comments about Nicolas Cage or like just had a comment about this film and. Um, Thomas W. Hunter on uh, Twitter responded with this anagram, which is amazing. Uh, Follow his page, which is Thomas underscore W underscore Hunter. And um, yeah, he said, just to let you know, City of Angels is an anagram of cage is not fly. So maybe that is an anagrammical way of letting us know that we're not in for a good time, guys. But... Only time will tell by watching this film, digesting it, letting it seep under our skin, letting it work its way through. And then it goes up into my brain, formulates stupid sentences, and then comes back out of my mouth and could be absolute babble. Like, I was thinking today, about last week's episode, that um, it must have been so confusing for people, I'm not sure... How I ta- like if the way I tackled when they switched faces made any fucking sense. If it didn't, or if it did, please let me know uh, on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Caged In Pod. Uh, that would be great. Or shoot me an email, which is cagedinpod at gmail.com. That's all of that kind of housekeeping, housekeeping out of the way. Um, I'm just going to go to a few questions like on for last week's episode as well. I'd asked uh, people for questions. I'm 
probably put it out a little bit late. I should probably start putting that out at the beginning of the week. Or I would just say, if you're a regular listener, I will take any cage-related questions or I will take any comments you have about the film. If they are comments about the film, maybe write a disclaimer. So like if it's any plot points or anything like that. Uh, if it is, email it to me and that would be the best way to do it because then I can read them after I've watched the film. So there's nothing, nothing's getting ruined or anything like that. And obviously on the social medias, I'll let you guys know when I'm watching the film. Sometimes I watch these films the day of record. Um, obviously I do the intros before because I want to be genuine with you guys that um, I am, I genuinely, when I record these intros, I know actually nothing about the films. So I don't want to be like, oh, no, nothing about it. And literally I've, I've watched it. It's already, it's already in me. Cage is already dug him, dug him in. But onto the questions I received. Um, the first one is from those movie guys. Uh, I believe Phil over there runs their Twitter, so this might be from Phil. Uh, maybe he consulted Joe. I'm not sure. The lovely Joe, who um, featured on the Trapped in Paradise episode, which if you haven't listened to, was really fun. Um, or. You can always hold it back for around Christmas because it's a lovely Christmassy film. I probably will be watching it again around Christmas, so um, that might give you a little hint as to what I thought about that film. Um, so the question is, which cage is the real creep? Cast the Troy or Sean Carter, uh, Sean Archer being cast the Troy? Sorry, I said Sean Carter there. Uh, he's not pretending to be Jay-Z at all. He's pretending to be John Travolta's character, Sean Archer. Um probably should have done some prep on this but obviously the real cast of Troy is really fucking creepy with his like suck my tongue and his whole peach speech but I don't know I think Sean Archer being cast of Troy is (laughs) it's probably more probably because we get more screen time of him I think it's the whole weird like face rubbing thing and the meltdown the meltdowns he has, he's just, he's super creepy. Like, when he pulls the grimace at Sasha, that's that's weird. And um, when <laughs> when he has, like, the meltdown when um, Sasha's son, he kind of sees him as his own. Yeah, sir. Let's go with that. Yeah, it's Sean Archer being cast of Troy. That's that question answered. And the other question is... Um, John Travolta's best villain role, even if it was a part of this movie. Um, no, it's not. His best villain role is um, Danny Zuko in the film Grease. Because um, let me let me explain this. Um, the theory goes as this: that the whole film is a kind of Jacob's Ladder scenario. In that, Sandy is dead and she actually drowned when they met on the beach making John Travolta the biggest villain ever because he did not save her because he had got what he wanted he took her virginity and now he he does not care for her he's just gonna let her die then the events that play out throughout the rest of the film are um that in the dying moments and obviously the car driving up into the sky is her ascending to heaven obviously not realizing that the man she had fallen in love with over that summer is a disgusting vile scumbag um 
I read that theory online and I thought that would be a good way to do it. No, I did think that John Travolta's uh, villain in this film is pretty fucking great. Um, that question came from Ono oh Lit Class Podcast. Um, I haven't listened to those guys, but thank you very much for the question. Uh, again, anyone else wants to ask a question for next week's episode? Um, next week will be, oh fuck, <laughs> well even if you want to make a comment about um, this film, City of Angels, if you've seen it, that would be great, or if you want to even shoot me a line about next week's one, which will be Snake Eyes, which is a fucking gem. I've seen that. Uh, I've seen that film. So yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> I look forward to that one. It's uh, directed, from what I remember, the great Brian De Palma. So I will very much be looking forward to that, and I will be looking forward to hearing you guys ask me questions or have your comments on the film. So um, enough of all this. Uh, let's just get raging. With a cage. Nick Cage. Nick Cage knows how to party. Meg Ryan knows how to party. In the city, city of angels. I want to welcome everybody to the Caged In Pod Nicholas Cage, yeah, the one true god I've never seen this movie, so it's time to get groovy And see if it moves me No distractions, no expectations Over the weeks, hear my frustrations This is episode 28 Released on a Tuesday, we'll never be late uh, I guess the podcast is about to begin I'm your host, Petrus Vassilovus, and I'm Caged In and welcome back, guys. I have just watched 1998's City of God. Maybe you have as well. I'm not sure if many people watch along, but um, obviously you can. You can just pause the podcast after every time I do the little intro and the little music starts, whatever. You can watch along. You can you can laugh along to the, to the insanity that is Nicolas Cage. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if you guys have a death wish as well like myself you want to push the um boundaries of your sanity to the breaking point and beyond um so i feel like i'm doing at times uh yeah well what is it we got two more episodes after this and then we'll have a little check-in in see if my fucking brain has started to implode yet which i inevitably believe it one day will um this film uh, was directed by Brad Silberling. I think I'm pronouncing his um, surname right. Um, he's had quite a short career, really. Well, like, not so much short, but like very spread out career. Um, he started off his career in films directing Casper. Um, 
So you'll know that as the Casper, the friendly ghost, the Christina Ritchie, Bill Pullman film from 1995. Uh, this film, in a way, feels like a spiritual sequel, in a way. Um, not in the way that it involves ghosts or anything like that, but it has that idea of kind of someone a haunting of some type, but like not in the malevolent evil kind but more of a like casper's title casper the friendly ghost you could almost see nicholas cage's character seth in this as a kind of spiritual spirit figure that is just out for the good um probably yeah let's just get into what actually happens in this film so this film opens up with a mother who is oh looking after a very sick daughter she's taking her temperature and you noticed in the corner well you didn't know oh, yeah you noticed that in the corner uh nicholas cage is sitting there um kind of is alarming to begin with because like uh is he a family member but the mother doesn't seem to notice him he's dressed in all black he kind of looks like he is a um yeah he looks like a bit of a bit of a goth bit of a weirdo um it is quickly shown to be, though, that he is an angel because as the girl is rushing into hospital, he is there waiting above her. He is there to hold her hand to the afterlife. Um, and when she inevitably does die, he asks her a question of, what was your favourite thing about being alive? And she said, I really liked pyjamas. And that's a brilliant answer. I also like pyjamas... Um, yeah, I like being comfortable. It's nice, isn't it? Uh, and then we get a scene of Nicolas Cage's character, Seth, and a fellow angel played by Adrian Brower of um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He plays Raymond Holt, uh, a very fantastic stand-up performance he does in that show. But in this, yeah, he plays a kind of Seth's partner in crime when it comes to going around being an angel um and then there's a kind of montage of just it's not really set up at this point like what the deal is with the angels and it's kind of um the music kicks in and we see three just guys all dressed in black walking on top of a building for no apparent reason it all has very like an 80s like Duran Duran music video vibe about the whole thing and the music kind of reflects that uh, and then we get a scene of just shit load of these angels stood upon a beach and um Seth and Raymond Holt I'm gonna call him Holt because I can't I can't I don't even remember if the character's name is said in the film but if it is i don't remember it sorry guys <laughs> just watch this film as well um they have a poignant conversation about the little girl and he asks maybe he could like make her an angel and he's like it doesn't work like that you're not born you're not turned into an angel you just are an angel and um he's like maybe i could just make her wings out of paper or something like that and says um What's the point of wings if you can't feel the wind on your face? Which is, a, I thought, was quite a nice line uh, to kind of, I don't know, start this film off. It kind of gave me high hopes at this point that this was going to be um, maybe a moving film, maybe an emotional film. 
maybe not complete dog shit. Um, we'll come on to my theory about the film after we discuss what the fuck happens. Um, then we see Meg Ryan just speed it along through traffic on her bike to work at a hospital. Uh, as soon as she gets there, kind of, you begin to realise that she is a surgeon and one of her fellow colleagues is saying, the patient wants to see you. Before he goes under, he wants to see you. Kind of imagine some reassurance that things are going to go okay. Um, she does so. She covers, her, she covers her mouth and, like, her nose. Because um, pretty much all of her face... I guess this is a standard practice in a hospital for germs and stuff like that. I'm not... I don't know, guys. Um, I'm just an idiot who makes podcasts. I do not work in a hospital, and clearly I'm not intelligent enough to be a surgeon. Um, Everything seems to be going all well and perfect, and as she exits the operating room, we see that Nicolas Cage is in the doorway, which, from what we've seen so far, is not a good sign for this gentleman um and then that's it she is back in to operating it gets to a point where she is manually pumping the guy's heart trying to get him to stay alive because every other form of like shocking him back in or whatever like yeah oh, ecgs again whatever they try everything to get him back and it just does not work and she is left with his un beating heart in her hand and this sends her into a spiral of depression um, about her job and can she fix anything but during the moments of panic and stuff like that there is a moment during the surgery where it seems though she locks eyes with Nicolas Cage's character the angel um but we learn from the law that that, that that can't be a thing because angels are only seen by those who are dying or if they choose to present themselves to people. Um, and whilst the man is dying, he and Seth, the angel, look upon his dead body and see that they are trying their hardest to keep him alive, giving him those last moments before he ascends to heaven, I guess. That's, that's, what, they're, that's what they're trying to tell us that everything was done and he can kind of live on or die on as <laughs> happy as can be. Um, she then has to tell the family that her, their husband and father has died and this further sends her down a route of just feeling terrible about her job, about, like, what yeah, what the fuck are you supposed to do? Is there anything more she could have done? Um again, Seth is there, um and then Seth talks to Holt again and asks him, has he ever been seen by anyone? And he's like, No, because we're not this is when the law is set up that you can't be seen unless you show yourself to someone and Seth says he believed that he was seen in that operating room. He then asks Holt if he should show himself to Meg Ryan's character to help her. And he's um, he responds to him, maybe you shouldn't, you can help her in other ways. They seem to like touch people on the shoulder and stuff like that, almost like a divine touch to help them along their way. Um, I don't know, I, guess, I just said divine touch, I'm not sure if that is a 
real thing or have they just uh, made that up? Um, and this conversation is going on inside of a convenience store which is being robbed and what each of them placed their hand on the store clerk and the robber alike and this seems to as i said this divine touch diffuses the situation and just kind of makes everyone feel a little bit more relaxed and a little bit easier about the thing and nobody's going to die <laughs> then we get um we find out that meg Ryan's character's name is maggie um i understand that because that's this is the first time in my notes where I wrote the name Maggie instead of Mega Ryan. So she is sick at work and then is told by um, Dr. Lover, uh, a guy who seems to be both a fellow doctor and her lover, that she can't operate because it's procedure. If you've been sick, you're not allowed to be touching no bodies. And then um, she asks him, do you believe that there are other people working with us? Kind of alluding to the idea that maybe there is a higher power working with them. Um, and throughout this, kind of, Cage is just lurking about. Like, he looks like a real fucking creep. Like, it's like adorned in all black, just kind of hangs around in a library. We always find out he's probably reading loads of Edgar Allan Poe and... YA novels loves a bit of the uh, loves Twilight, you know, like oh loves loves I, I don't know Marilyn Manson oh fuck's sake, <laughs> um yeah and he's hanging out at the library you kind of see him like just looking over that's another weird thing about this as an angel he just kind of seems to look over people's shoulders when there's no one dying just kind of lurking about um in other people's lives we kind of see a scene of maggie having a hard time at work again seth is lurking about he just um does a lot of lurking while she's trying to do a little bit of working um then seth follows maggie through a children's ward and there is a moment where she puts her hand up against the glass and he has his hand on the other side and it's almost as if he's saying if only you could see me. Um, but you can't because I'm just a creepy angel who's following you about. Um, Maggie then bumps into a paediatric doctor who has a problem with a baby that they can't seem to figure out what is wrong with it. And then they go on to the fact that Maggie does not seem right. And she says, maybe I should become a paediatric doctor instead of being a surgeon because things seem to be real shit to which the pediatric doctor replies never date a guy um yeah and talk about all you meet in uh, pediatrics are married men or gynecologists and she says never date a guy who knows more about your vagina than you do i wrote that line down because i thought it was great um yeah kind of broke the the tension of just like kind of uh, uh, very like morose and I don't know very serious tone this film seems to be taking so far I uh yeah all these kind of moody shots of men all dressed in black standing on a beach watching sunset it's like oh 
Fuck off and read some J.D. Salinger, you knobs. Upon leaving the hospital, this is when Seth reveals himself to Maggie and asks her, are you in despair? Um, and he's just super creepy. <laughs> and he like, say, he like says he's like one of the, uh, he's a visitor for someone. And she's just, I don't know, he's just super creepy i just thought why is she not freaked out by this weird guy hanging about at the hospital um and like seth hears her thoughts and that she like she's like oh why why didn't why didn't he ask me out why didn't he like give me his number and it's like what the fuck and then it cuts to maggie in the bath rubbing herself like like her body with a cold bottle of beer and it looks overly sexual like she is having sexual fantasies about this angel man um and i yeah i've written down in my notes does she want to fuck a creepy angel which is uh weird and that night seth is there in her apartment like without her knowing uh which it's one of my I say I feel that there is a um a big problem with this film and that that uh I don't it's pretty it's pretty fucking weird. Um I'll come on to my theory once I've explained everything that happens in this film. Um that night Maggie tosses and turns and she can't sleep and then she picks up a copy of a movable feast by Ernest Hemingway and starts reading it and then the next day she strolls into work like a new woman her problems are solved she's happy again about her job and she goes straight to Dr. Lover and tries to give him back his book but he has no idea about it he's like no I didn't leave that book at your apartment I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So Maggie then decides to go to the library and they're trying to investigate the book. They're saying, well, well, we can't actually give you who got the book out, but we can tell you when it was taken out as if that would make any difference. But um, she goes to look for the Ernest Hemingway section and surprise, so fucking prize who is there lurking amongst the books is... Oh, creepy angel Seth. Um, and he then reads a quote from, an, um, I assume it's an Ernest Hemingway book about oysters going into vivid detail about how they taste. And he again seems like a real weird guy. She asks about what he does and he says he's a messenger. And she's like, oh, well, like, um, do you like like a bike messenger or something like that? He's like, no, I'm a messenger of God. Um, as if, I don't know, as if by now, like, his, the fact that he's just turning up wherever she is is not creepy enough. Um, the fact that he's saying this type of shit. And then he then touches her hand and then all of the angels that some for some reason hang out in the library all just watch as he touches her hand. And then he says... Let's get out of it. Let's go do anything. And they go on a date of sorts to what looks like a grocery market. And he gets her to explain the taste 
of a pear. I would have loved it if <laughs> it was a peach, which would have been a lovely throwback to both Face Off and um, Wild at Heart. But Brad uh, spelled Blinder. It's definitely not the director's name. Or the writer of this film did not have enough foresight to put an ounce of humour in this. Uh, she then takes him to the hospital and shows her his blood in a microscope. And she asks to take his blood for obvious reasons. He can't give it because he's an entity that does not live and breathe like the rest of us. He does not. He can't feel. He can't taste. That's why he's so thingy to... That's why he's like so adamant to kind of know all about the taste and is obsessed with everything. Can't even see in colour. Um, they then talk about what happens after death and she explains that there might be more to like things that she she, does, she can't really she can't really put her finger on it. Um, he then gets to her to explain why people cry and she goes down the very scientific specific route um i don't know it kind of it feels like a lot of this stuff like these conversations don't really lead anywhere and just make seth seem like a real creepy weirdo um she then runs out and gets she gets paged and one of her patients mr messenger can't breathe um she like says to seth to wait there but obviously he can move wherever the fuck he wants. Uh, he then, once she leaves, touches Mr. Messenger and he says, I can't see you, but I know you're there. Um, tell them I'm not ready to go yet. Talking about the angels. And yeah, it's like a moment we are like, oh fuck, how does he know? <laughs> Maggie then goes home to Dr. Lover and he is adamant that they go camping to Lake Tahoe. He just wants to get the fuck out of the city and have some time to chill out. Um, And then she says something that's, again, quite peculiar. She's like, let's just look at each other for five minutes, be in the moment. (laughs) And, um... I don't know, this film is just so, like, po-faced and serious that, like, like, you don't realise how ridiculous the subject matter is, guys. Stop taking yourselves so, so seriously. Um, After that, Seth then shows himself to Mr. Messenger, not in the way of, like, getting his dick out or anything like that, as in, like, just revealing himself to be, ooh, I'm an angel, um... He seems, like, Mr. Messenger seems to know all about the angels and, like, the ways of them and stuff like that. And then he's like, let's get out of here. Let's go to a diner. Over a meal, they discuss that uh, Mr. Messenger's name is Nathaniel and he used to be an angel who has fallen and explains how this happens. Says you decide and you just fall and then you are human. You can experience everything that a human does and... um he says humans are lucky because they have free will. Um, we then see that Maggie can't sleep that night. I guess something's plaguing her. Some feelings, some unnatural. Probably the fact that there's a creepy guy following about all over the fucking 
place. Um, then we see another scene of just like... <laughs> there's loads of really crap-like green screen scenes of characters who are angels or used to be angels just sitting on top of really tall structures. And this is one of them. Nathaniel and Seth are sat above a on like a construction site and he says... He got a job in construction because obviously not having any paperwork or anything like that, it's hard to get a job after just becoming, from becoming an angel to a human. Um, he says he worked on construction because he's used to the heights. Um, and he says that there are other people who have fallen. And he said the reasons he had done it is because he has he can have a family. Um and he says how he can't explain it to his wife and like nobody just believes in angels anymore. That's why like he doesn't want to you don't want to put people through that like thing of that angels exist because it's just too much hassle to burden that upon them. Um And he says, Do they still do it? And then Seth takes Nathaniel to the weird angel sunrise ceremony on the beach where they all just stand there and watch the sunrise, all of them dressed in black looking creepy as fuck um nathaniel's like i can't see or i can't hear the music you guys hear when it's like the sunrise but again you can't feel this and then strips off naked and swims in the sea and seth joins him but obviously he can't he can't really feel it he's just there just in case he drowns i guess um seth then explains like again sat sat somewhere with a halt and explains how to fall he says like oh, i'm thinking of i might, I might do it mate uh, <laughs> seth again when maggie is walking a dog just turns up out of fucking nowhere um and then he um yeah again why is she not worried about the fact that this guy is like seems to definitely be following her um they have a conversation and they end up kissing but he seems to just feel nothing and you can see it on his face she's like fuck this i want to be with a guy who uh who feels something when i kiss him um maggie goes to <laughs> mr messenger's birthday party a pretty weird scenario for a doctor patient relationship but i don't know I'm, who am i who am i to say um and Seth is there, and we see that in a Polaroid photo, Seth does not appear at all. He is just a mass of white light, and Maggie sees this and looks a bit concerned. Um, when they go back to her apartment, she questions him on his past, like about his family, what his surname is, and he just plucks something out of the air because he's in a kitchen. He says, my surname is Plate. <laughs> And then he accidentally cuts his hand, but nothing happens. The knife just glides through his hand. She notices this, so tries to purposely cut his hand, and then it is revealed that nothing happens to him. And he tries to explain that he is an angel, and she is like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, but I love you. She's like, still get the fuck out of here you creepy angel bastard and at this moment i was like finally she has seen him for the weird creepy guy he is that he's just hanging around all the time angel or not he's still a creep um seth and holt are on the wing of a plane 
And then we kind of get a montage of Seth being sad, Maggie being sad. Um, I thought this was quite near the end. I, uh, like, looked at how long was left, and we had an hour to go, guys. But um, don't worry, I'm going to rattle through this. It's a, not a lot really happens in this hour. Um, Seth creeps into her house at night when she she's like, I know you're there, just please hold me, hold me till I sleep. Um, He doesn't reveal himself to her, he just hangs around in his kind of ghostly state as opposed to his human, you can see me state, yeah. The guy's weird. (laughs) She wakes feeling great, rushes to the hospital and says, I think what's wrong with that baby from earlier, it's got a blocked nose. And she's like, I just knew it. Uh, and I guess that Seth has done something or given her some insight by hugging her. Um, Dr. Lover comes to congratulate her and proposes to her. And the way he does it is mental. He is like some weird clinical robot. It's kind of like, will you marry me? Be my wife. <laughs> And he even admits himself, so, you know, I am not good with human emotions. I am not programmed that way. And she definitely seems a bit dubious. And he's like, oh, let's think about it, mate. Let's not rush into this. Um, Maggie then does a check-up on Nathaniel, and he explains how Seth could fall. Um she asks, how do you know this? And because he says, because I did it, revealing to her that he used to be an angel as well. Maggie then goes to the library to talk to Seth. And you think, oh, great. It's going to be the big moment. They're going to get together. He's going to fall. They're going to fall in love. And things are going to be fantastic. No, she goes to tell him that she's going to get married to Dr. Lover. And goodbye. Seth then looks real moody on the top of a construction site and then throws himself off the fucking building. And when he awakes, not just does he awake to be a human, he awakes to be the nutty cage we know and love. And it was a moment, like throughout this film, he has just seemed subdued, and boring, and like I know probably Nicolas Cage is trying to go in a new direction, do something a bit different to what he's used to, but it was just boring, and it is in this moment he's kind of running about, being wild, looking like, just doing weird noises and stuff like that, he then tries to find the county hospital, I guess because he doesn't know regular forms of travel anymore, he kind of just appears places, doesn't know, I don't know, you would have thought if he'd lived for an eternity, he would know the geography of places. That's something he would have figured out, considering he knew every language and just knew so much about everything. But no, just regular geography and how to travel about a city. He has no fucking idea. The way he figures out how to get to the hospital is he chases an ambulance. Uh, he gets there and then finds out that Maggie has gone to Lake Tahoe. And he 
is like, no, this means she is going to get married to Dr. Lover. Um, he then tries to hitchhike, gets beaten up, kind of starts to see that being a human might not be that great, and then is given a ride by a trucker with a basset hound. Um, the fact he had a basset hound doesn't really have any relevance on the story. I just thought, oh, it's a really cute basset hound. That's real nice that that guy's giving him a lift. Um, he turns up at her door and asks, oh, is it, you think, is it too late? And she's like, no, I didn't marry that dickhead. Don't worry. And she says, I'm in love with you, Seth. Um, she asks what's happened and he says, free will, baby. I think I might have had it on the baby, but that's, I, that's what that's what I heard anyway. That's, that's how it should have been. Um, they then make love in front of a roaring fire and she gets him, I guess, to describe what sex is. Um, this film is rated 12 uh, in the UK. I guess that would be like a PG-13. Uh, it's a very, like, sex, like, I don't know, a very passionate sex scene yet they can't really show much because obviously it's not yeah it's not like a 15 or an r-rated movie or anything like that um and it's weird the way he describes it uh, i guess maybe she's getting to describe what her vagina is like he describes it as warm and aching i'm not sure if that's the sex or the vagina um or his penis i i am not sure the next morning they embrace by the lake and just kind of like, oh, you're like, oh, they're an idyllic setting. They finally found love. They can be together. And he says he always used to ask people when they died what their favourite part about life was. And then now when he is asked, he will say this moment right here. And she says, don't worry, we'll have the rest of our lives together. I've got so much to show you. It's all gonna be okay he then goes for his first ever shower and we kind of get scenes of him experiencing things for the first time that he'd never experienced obviously the touch of hot water eating food she goes for a bike ride and she crashes her bike into a lorry full of logs and at the exact moment this happens, a candle blows out in front of Seth. And he knows something is wrong. Maybe some of his angel-like instincts have followed him over to his earthly body. And he rushes down to miraculously know where the accident has happened. And he finds her and spends her last moments with her. And she says, I'm not afraid to die so I can see someone is like is this what happens when i die and he's like oh don't don't take her please don't take her um then we kind of get the a classic a bird's eye view of a funeral in the rain um he's hanging out with nathaniel obviously a man who kind of knows the feeling of falling and to be a human after being an angel for so long um he buys a fuckload of pears at the groceries, at the grocery market. Um, Seth argues with Holt as to, like, what happened? Why was she taken? Is this punishment for him falling? Was it him who was there when she died? Um, 
And then he, like, is asked by Holt, was it worth it? And he says, to fill one breath of her hair, to have one kiss on her lips, to have one skip on her rope, to have one this of that, to have to have one one sip of her tea, to have one flip of her flop, to have would be worth falling the fact that she's no longer there like it doesn't matter the fact that he got to to feel those like emotions and feel those feelings and just experience life for that short amount of time experience love what it's truly like and i imagine the fact that he got to blow his load was probably great after living all that time as a little angel man um he then goes to the beach at the weird sunrise and takes a swim in the sea because um, he can feel the waves crashing down upon him that he could never feel before. Holt looks upon him and is laughing as all of the creepy angel guys are doing their morning ritual of staring at the sun. Then the film fades to black and that is the end guys um i have a slight problem with this film and my problem is as goes um it seems to be a film about a guy who like regardless of being an angel is a neglectful worker who stalks a lady breaks into her apartment makes her feel so threatened that that he's he's kind of about and doing stuff that she'd leave town to kind of get away from him um he then uses emotional blackmail and fills her with like stories of a grandiose past and lulls her into a false sense of security and kind of facilitates a scenario where she confused upset and acts neglectfully about traffic hence causing her to die um so yeah that is my problem with this film that seth is a weird creep who even though he has regardless yeah well he has divine purpose he just wants to throw it all the way for the i obviously get the idea that love is important over everything but He's a man who works for a shady organisation, wears the same clothes every day and just stalks ladies. He does not seem like a cool dude at all. Um, So yeah, let's see what other people had to say about this. Let's have a little look online and see if this is a... Fucking masterpiece. So, the scores we have. Let's look. Rotten Tomatoes. Give this film 59%. IMDb, 6.2. 7 out of 10 and Roger Ebert 3 out of 4 um 
I feel like that all of that is maybe a bit generous. Like this, um, I did a bit of reading, and this film is actually a loose remake of a film by, uh, I believe, German director Wim Winders called Wings of Desire. And I just feel that this is very, it's very nineties, and it's very, it's just. Very, as I said, very po-face and takes itself way too seriously. And there's just, I, I don't care about, I didn't care about any of the characters really. I didn't, I didn't care about the fact. I just found Seth to be really, really fucking creepy. Obviously, I felt something towards uh, Maggie's character because obviously, I imagine being a surgeon is a very, very tough job. Um, I felt that I felt that the kind of religious underpinnings of this film, like I couldn't see if it felt quite like pro-religious to me. Not that's necessarily a bad thing, but like just I don't know. It just kind of felt muddied. Like obviously, my 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 opinions are kind of pretty sounding a bit like that themselves. But it was it kind of it didn't it did it didn't sit well for me. Like the portrayal of yeah that this angel would just throw it all away for this lady that is essentially stalked. It's not like there is a reciprocation, like, and just the relationship. It felt rushed. Like, this whole film felt like it took place over about five days. Like, there wasn't real sense of time passing at all. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, I I felt like there could have been a bit more into the explanation of ain't like that that's such a cool like concept and idea of obviously angels just like or these beings didn't necessarily have to be angels it could have just been these beings that like watch over people and this is their law but i felt like it could have gone way deeper into that stuff instead of the kind of creepy following a lady around her working life thing i get that it's kind of trying to be that's what I mean, it's that very nice thing of trying to do a spin on a romantic comedy and kind of trying to, and obviously the like, oh, the dramatic ending with obviously he's made this sacrifice for her to obviously become a human and then it is snatched from him straight away is uh, like that. I was like, I could see it coming a mile off, not just because that that scene was in such slow motion that like you, about a mile down the road you could see her oh no she's hurtling t- yep 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 she's hurtling towards that lorry and is going to die like um the moment i saw her on a bike that morning i knew it was going to happen like um i don't know yeah i didn't enjoy this one guys uh fuck but hopefully well i know next week i pretty will enjoy it uh, a lot more because I've actually seen Snake Eyes, and from what I can remember, it's a really fucking good film. <laughs> and if you have seen Snake Eyes, or if you have seen City of Angels, please get in touch. If you have any comments about this film, or have any questions about this film, or have any questions about um, Nicolas Cage in general, or any comments about Snake Eyes please email them and put the subject heading as Snake Eyes so I can read your emails after I have watched the film and I will like kind of discuss any of those points on the podcast next 
week. Uh, the email address for that is cagedinpod at gmail.com. Obviously, all the social media is just for general chit chat and keeping up and seeing how we are doing is cagedinpod at no, yeah, at cagedinpod. Sorry, I said cagedinpod at got it the wrong way fucking round. Um, yeah, it's at cagedinpod and yeah, it's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on all of those. Um, yeah, rate and review if you want. If like what <laughs> Apple Podcasts, like Acar Stitcher, like whatever. But like, check out um, check out some other Nicholas Cage podcasts. Um, sounds like a weird thing for me to do. Uh, I know some other podcasts seem to be in um, competition, which I I don't I feel is a bit weird. Um, we're all doing, yeah, we're all doing a, a similar thing, but we're all coming at it from different angles. So it's kind of fun for me, and I guess it'll be fun for other people to hear varying interpretations of the same film. That's what's so amazing about just film, like film-based podcasts or anything like that, like film reviewing and stuff, is obviously everyone has different opinions and takes fit, like takes away from things differently. Obviously, I came in with the um, approach to this podcast that I was trying to see if these films made me insane. I have the I have that thesis. Like other people go at it as fans. Um, I'm just going to list off a few of the other Nicolas Cage podcasts you should check out. Um, one of them is a, another UK-based one, which is um, Cage Pod. Uh, there's Enter the Cage. There's Into the Cage. There is heat seeking panther there is cage cast just check them all out let's let's just um yeah let's just at the end of it once we've all watched all of them we'll all just have a massive uh, nicholas cage circle jerk it'll be amazing we'll try and get him involved then we'll 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 go to the man to the right or left if you're left-handed and we'll just all wank each other off and it'll be be great and we have loads of pictures of Nicolas Cage everywhere and it'll be it'll be disgusting and filthy so if any of you guys who are on any of those podcasts or if any of you listen to those podcasts please reach out to them to people and tell them that this is what is going to happen a big disgusting Nicolas Cage wank off um I feel like that is an appropriate point to end the episode (laughs) leave you with that disgusting Nick Cage Bukaki situation um, and I will catch you next week when we look at Snake Eyes so as always guys I've been Petrus Pat Syllabus I've been Caged In you've been rad bye Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pontrol Cinecast, Caged in Copa Connections, a Town Limery, Maine, franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family. <laughs>